0: Today is September 30th, 2021, episode 50 of Dusks and Dusters. Our land acknowledgement is that we here in North Perth sit on lands traditionally occupied by the Anishinaabewaki, Odawa, and Mississauga, the Mississauga First Credit Nations. September 30th, 2021, marks Canada's first ever day of truth and reconciliation. Truth and reconciliation is a day that we honour those who survived the horrors of residential schools and mourn the ones who never made it home. Between 1831 and 1998, 140 residential schools were responsible for taking children from their parents and from their homes. They stole their language, their culture, and their spirits. The truth is that these horrible acts happened upon children, and genocide was real in Canada. Reconciliation means to acknowledge the truth, requiring us to educate ourselves and work with our Indigenous communities on healing and on a path forward. September 30th, we will remember and mourn the ones that we lost and honor the individuals that we still have here today. We must work as individuals, as communities, and as a nation to move forward and on a path of healing. We may not be responsible for what our ancestors did, but we are responsible for what we do today to make tomorrow a better place. Today on Desks and Dusters, I ask that you listen with an open heart and an open mind as I speak to two individuals in the Indigenous community right here in the Waterloo Region. One a member of the Lambback Camp, and the other a registered nurse working in Indigenous healthcare. I ask them to share their stories and their thoughts on the first ever day of truth and reconciliation. I thank you for joining us today, and I encourage you to click the links in the description to further your education and knowledge on Indigenous issues here in Canada and how we can be better allies. Thank you.
1: All right, everybody, we are here
0: back on the podcast, Desks and Dusters, and we are here with a very special friend of mine. He happens to be my business partner for Dream Team Video Productions, Eric Jackson. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Eric, why don't you just introduce yourselves for our listeners, uh, who you are and what nation you belong to?
2: Um, so my name is Eric Jackson. Um, I live in Plattsville, a small little town in southern Ontario. Uh, and um, I co-own Dream Team Video Productions with Caitlin. Uh, so, you know, filming weddings and sports and all that fun stuff. Um, in terms of what nation I come to, so or I come from rather, I'm Métis, but um, my family traces all over the place. So I'm not really affiliated with any band or nation, um, but my family traditionally comes from the Algonquin area um, up in Northern Ontario, uh, as well as Southern Saskatchewan. So um, there's a little bit of all overness for me.
0: You're kind of like me. I'm a little bit of a a bottle of Heinz 57. I come from a little bit of everywhere, but my family roots back uh, on my mom's maternal side of the east coast specifically Newfoundland and Nova Scotia which is where my Mi'kmaq heritage comes from for listeners who don't know that about me so one of the things that's pretty awesome that I love about you is this summer you were able to join Land Back Camp and for those who don't know can you just Mm -hmm. explain kind of what Land Back Camp is?
2: Yeah Land Back Camp is um it's a pretty unique space. So it started last year in Victoria Park. Um, they were there for the summer, and then in the in the fall they moved to Waterloo Park. And this year we were uh, were set up at Laurel Creek Conservation Area. Uh, the GRCA was um, in contact with the organizers at the in the springtime this year and offered up the land for uh, for the land back camp this year. Um, and it's basically a it's a safe queer-friendly space. Um, Most of the members are uh, LGBTQ two-spirit youth, um, ranging in ages from 16 to late 30s, early 40s, um, because there aren't a whole lot of Indigenous spaces that are dedicated just for that LGBTQ two-spirit community. So, this was really created as a way for those members of our community to connect with their roots, connect with the land, um, and then also do some, some work, right? Some of it's fun, some of it are workshops on, um, you know, makeup and beadwork and tattoos and things like that. Uh, and then other things are about the Land Back movement, which is, you know, truth and reconciliation, the demands that the community has to the cities, mostly in terms of uh, use of public space, um, use of land, um, giving land back to the indigenous peoples uh, that are traditionally from the Haldeman Tract in in the case of KW, right? Um, So that's what it's all about, right? It's it's a safe place for queer youth, queer, indigenous youth um, and, um, a place for us to learn and grow and, um, you know, fight towards truth and reconciliation together.
0: Exactly. Now you use the term two spirit. A lot of people maybe have never heard that term before. Would you mind defining it a little bit for us?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Two spirit is, um, and it's tough because I don't identify as two spirit. So I can't really say what it feels like. Um, but two spirit is really when you're not, falling under any particular umbrella term right like you might have some masculine traits some feminine traits there's no uh, you know routine like one day you're masked the next day you're femme it's just kind of there's a mix of it uh, in you and you don't identify as either or or maybe one day you identify more as one than the other right it's it's more just a a fluid uh way of describing your 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 orientation i guess
0: Exactly. And one of the things you and I both took the U Alberta uh Native mm. American history course, which is free, and I highly recommend it. It's like an hour a week's work for what was it, 12 weeks, I think? 12, 12 weeks. weeks, yeah. And it was fabulous. And the one thing that I learned is that in Native American history and in their culture, they have never turned away two spirit people. They've always been welcomed in the communities and they've worked with them and embraced them. And I think that is absolutely beautiful.
2: For the most part, yeah. Right. I mean, I I think there are there are a lot of uh, communities and and just like anywhere else, uh, indigenous communities have certain traditions that they uphold. Um, And but overall, yeah, right. It's it's a pretty, pretty welcoming community. And uh, we had the pleasure of having a guest actually at Land Back uh, over the summer. uh, Sylvia McAdams, who comes from northern Saskatchewan and was explaining to us that uh, in her community, they don't talk about genders. They don't gender things. There's no he, she, hardly even they, them. It's just everybody. They're just people and they love each other. They live and work together. Uh, And that's, that's just how they are. Right. They don't, they don't see each other as uh, being confined to a specific gender.
0: Exactly. And you and I have a little bit of a history of knowing a bit more about land Camp because we were actually invited and Mm -hmm. able to go film and record an interview there. And we were able to speak to a woman who is a victim of the 60s scoop. And if you're watching the video right now, Eric and I are both wearing our Every Child Matters shirts uh, for Orange Shirt Day, which is September 30th. And it is now marked as the first ever Truth and Reconciliation Day. So what does that mean?
2: Well, uh, yeah, there's there's two sides of Truth and Reconciliation Day. First, for the Indigenous community, it's it's not a a day off to celebrate. There's really nothing to celebrate. Um, It is a day off to to mourn and to reflect. Um, You know, there will be a march led by uh, Healing of the Seven Generations. Um, There'll be a walk from uh, downtown Kitchener to Victoria Park. Uh, And then in the evening, there's a candlelit vigil for all of the uh, children that they're finding in the residential schools. So for the indigenous community, it's very much a a day for us to come together with our other community members and be with each other and remember the children and be on the land, um, do some drumming, do uh, the candlelit vigil, as I mentioned. Um, And then for the settler group of people, it's a day of, or it should be a day of reflection. Um, It should be a day of, I guess, Think, think about what you've done, right? Um, it should be a day to do research, look into what the treaties are, what they mean, what treaty land you live on. Um, there's a great website native-land.ca where you can actually punch in your address and it will tell you uh, the traditional peoples that were on that land. And it will also tell you the languages and the treaties of that land. Um, so you can really get a, a picture for for where you live, right? And then I would encourage everyone to spend you know an hour that day looking up specifically the treaties of the the area that they live in, um, when they came into place, what they really mean, um, what the indigenous peoples are supposed to be entitled to with those treaties. Um, and then, like I said, a day of reflection, right? A, a day of looking back at at all that has happened and thinking about, what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen again, what you can do to be a better ally, um, you know, what you can do to educate those around you, right? Uh, Because you can't expect the Indigenous community to be the one that does all the educating, right? There are courses out there, like you mentioned the University of Alberta one, um, but it's, it's a day for you to take the first step in educating yourself.
0: Absolutely. And I highly recommend everyone go to that website, That is where I was able to get the proper information to find what land here in North Perth that we sit on, which is why we start off our podcast with our land acknowledgement. Everyone knows that we sit on the Anishinaabewaki, Odawa, and Mississauga of the Mississauga First Credits here in North Perth where we are. The other thing too, I saw an amazing video and a lot of people will come back with the excuse, well, I'm not responsible for what my ancestor did that you're right. You're not responsible for what they did, but you're responsible for what you do today and what you do tomorrow and how we move forward together. So yes, I encourage everyone to do their proper research. There is so much information out there. And no, it is not up to the Indigenous community for people to just walk up to them and tell their story. They are not storybooks. They are a nation of storytellers. They are very famous for storytelling. That is how their education and information is passed along, but it's not their job to inform you. So- Mm -hmm. It is very, very true. There's two sides with it. There's the truth side to it, understanding it, knowing the history of our country that is that we live in, that we are a part of, and reconciliation is the moving forward. So, what are some next steps we can take as individuals, as a community, as a nation?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that um, a lot of little things that people are already doing um, in terms of supporting Indigenous businesses, buying the orange shirts for Orange Shirt Day and, um, you know, sharing social media posts and, and talking to their friends about it, making it a topic of conversation. And all of that is great um, as a first step. But what we really need now is we need to move past the acknowledgement stage, right? Like land acknowledgements are a great thing, but we, we need to move a great thing for white people. Um, the indigenous community doesn't need to acknowledge where, where they are because they know, um, but we need to move into a phase of action. Um, so in terms of what you can do to be an ally, as an example, right? Think about if you're out in public and, um, you walk past, whether it's a rally or whatever, a protest, um, and you see an indigenous person being, harassed by a member of the public or by the police or something like that. Do you walk past or do you intervene? Do you make sure they're okay? Um, Things like that, right? Like actual visible actions that you can take um, to stand in solidarity with the indigenous community. And that goes the same for the Black Lives Matter marches, all the BIPOC movements, Pride Month, et cetera. Um, Anytime you see those communities uh, struggling, uh, and before you think to yourself, why don't we have a this month and a that month, be happy you don't need it, right? Be happy that you can live your life without, um, you know, worrying about what's going to happen to you out in public or what's going to happen to your kids. Um, so that's that's one thing that that people need to do is just start thinking about the actions they can take um, over the words that they've been saying or that they can say. Um, and the second step, I think... Um, which actually really should probably come before the first step uh, is just education. Um, you know, I work for an education company um, during the week and I, I strongly believe that um, education is one of the greatest things uh, that we, we, can, we can give to ourselves. Um, we're lucky to live in an area where it is relatively accessible um, for most people. Um, so if you're able, you know, to, to go online, to take courses that are free, like the University of Alberta one um, is a great place to start, start educating yourself. Um, I, and the reason I say that is because I think the more you educate yourself, um, the more you're going to want to take action. I understand it's a lot to ask to say, um, you know, come out and protect us and stand beside us and, and walk with us. Um, When you don't really know the whole picture, you may not fully understand what people are marching for. So take the time to learn that because I guarantee you, if you read the full history and not just what you learned in the Ontario curriculum, you'll be extremely pissed about what you find out. And if that doesn't light a fire under your ass and even make you want to take some action, I don't know what will, right? Uh, And if you are one of those people that, um, don't want to take action or, um, are, you know, against all of these movements, that's okay. Freedom to be who you are. Um, but don't get in the way, right. Uh, don't, don't go out of your way to prevent other groups from, from making progress.
0: Exactly. It's very, very true. And I couldn't agree more, especially with the education piece I had so much fun. Like I took grade 12 Canadian history because I fell in love with my grade 10 Canadian history teacher. She was so passionate and she taught outside the book, which was one of my favorite things about her. And she knew the truth about about Canada to the extent of what we knew then. And I, she was just so passionate about history and about education. She encouraged me to learn more just from being her. So shout out to Miss Watkins. Um, And then I took grade 12 Canadian history, which was basically learning from the first recordings and stories of our indigenous brothers and sisters and peoples being here on this land up to the first uh, colonizer coming over and all the way up until the early nineties. And like, it was so jam packed. I couldn't agree more with education. And once you start learning and once you start getting it, you can't stop. It's an addiction and it's so true. Like, I almost want to go back and take the U Alberta course again and be like, let's see how I can bend. like it's test myself and <laughs> and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for coming on and sharing uh, your side and your your feelings and, and being open about this. Obviously, this is not an easy topic to talk about. This isn't St. Patrick's Day. We're not out celebrating. It's not a day to to go out and party and be like, woo yeah, and celebrate all the good. It's a time to reflect. Yeah. So thank you for also mentioning that because it is a good point to bring across of what this day actually truly does mean and represent.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're uh, if you're an employer out there that has Indigenous employees and you're not giving them September 30th off uh, to be with their community, um, use that day to reflect on on that decision as well, right? Because the, the the government has made the decision to make it a federal stat holiday, which means 99.9 percent of the Indigenous communities don't get this day off work um, which is wrong there's an action you can take right there right um you know that should absolutely be a day that no questions asked no vacation time used nothing like that um no indigenous person should should have to work on this one day that we're asking for uh to be set aside
0: exactly well thank you so much for sitting down with me today thank you for sharing with me and uh, i'll see you this weekend
2: yeah. We have another wedding.
0: Yeah. It never oh, ends for dream team. It does
2: not. Thank well, awesome. You.
0: Thank you. Next up here on desks and dusters is Rachel Raddick. And she happens to be an old high school classmate of mine. Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: glad for having me here. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, so I will first just introduce myself. So Anishinabe in Georgina Island, Kitchener, and Daya. So, what I just said in uh, my language, so Anishinaabe win is hello. My name is Rachel Raddick. I'm an Anishinaabe woman from Georgina Island, and I currently live in Kitchener, which is situated along the Heldman Tract, which is the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Neutral peoples.
0: Thank you for that introduction. Uh, Yesterday I was able to speak to my business partner who is a member of the Land Back Camp and today we're going to be speaking to Rachel who also lives in Kitchener uh, on the Holman Track just like Eric and Rachel you do work in healthcare.
1: Yes that's right I'm a registered nurse and the aboriginal patient navigator for the southwestern aboriginal health access center so HAC for short.
0: Perfect. So what what kind of work do you do then with Indigenous healthcare?
1: So my, my, <laughs> it's been a little complicated because at first um, I was seconded, I went on a secondment for my role as the Aboriginal patient navigator to work with the Waterloo Region and Grand River Hospital to work at the Pine Bush Vaccine Center uh, to set up a culturally aware space to help deliver the COVID vaccines to uh, the urban indigenous population that was accessing uh, our vaccination services in a mass vaccination site to uh, give them a little bit more time and supports that they needed. Uh, We had medicines available if they wanted to smudge and we would give medicines after or just give a little bit of a safer space to chat or whatever support they needed to go a little slower.
0: That's incredible. And you mentioned smudging something that I am familiar with. What are other methods of indigenous healthcare and medicines?
1: So um, I'm still on my learning journey, but I do know that um, we do have a traditional healing uh, liaison at our uh, health center. So she Uh, works in um, connection with the local elders to help support uh, who hold the the knowledge of our medicines and uh, when delivering care. Um, But also with, um, when we're talking about uh, healthcare, uh, it's important and one of the differences between uh, you know, what we call Western medicine and uh, traditional medicine is that a lot of the times with um, Western medicine, there is a lot of just treating the issue at hand or treating, you know, you have diabetes, let's treat your blood sugar. You know, um, you you have a feverless issue with Tylenol and once you know it's under uh, a manageable way, or you know if the person has gotten better, the treatment kind of ends there. However, with traditional healing practices, we look at the patient or you know look at the person as a whole. So that includes you know uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, and mentally, right to make sure that we're taking and helping the individual as a whole. Um, along their healing journey because you know sometimes what an individual needs is not at that moment that they don't want to be obviously they need to be treated for the fever but maybe there's something else that they want support with right so it's looking at um being able to provide all avenues of support um in one place or to be able to you know help uh Put individuals in contact to be able to um, get those supports in areas if you know they can't get them at our center so
0: exactly and you, and you talked about connections and different things like that now for people who need to reach out and maybe don't know where to go how would an Indigenous person get in touch with you or your services the the clinics and the facilities you work at? where would be step number one for them to start
1: So um, we do have a Facebook page. Um, We also do have um, our contact information, which I can share. Maybe it can be in the description.
0: Absolutely. Send me everything you've got. We love hooking people up with educational resources and different things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, And then in terms of if, you know, there's individuals um, that wanted to get vaccinated or anything like that. Um, it's more there doesn't even need to be an appointment anymore. Um, insider information, the lines are very short. So you know <laughs> you're gonna get that VIP service when you go in there. Um, really will only take about 15 minutes if that, you know, mostly just your waiting time after you've gotten the vaccine. Um, but there um Social media. I'll provide all that other information. I'm. <laughs> I don't have a good enough memory to remember everything off the top of my head, but uh, we do have lots of ways that individuals are able to contact us because we know that everybody's at different places and doesn't have accessibility to you know internet or things like that all the time.
0: One of the things that you mentioned that I absolutely love about traditional uh, indigenous medicines and healings. Um, is that you're right? It doesn't just look at the one cause; it looks at the person as a whole because there is so much more to than just you have a fever or you might be diabetic. There's a lot more than just just your blood sugar to maintain. There's your mental health and your spirituality, uh, your emotions, your physical well-being can all be altered by things like that. And one of the things I thought was so cool was I creeped your social media a little bit and I found out that you want to go work in these remote locations to provide this sort of healthcare and medical service, uh, to people on different reservations and people that are, they're living their, their life as an indigenous person connected to the earth.
1: Yeah. Um, it's always been, um, a long-term goal of mine to eventually, uh, be able to work in remote nursing. Um, right now I'm working more in the community settings because, um, you know, even um, when you're when you're trying to build that knowledge, um, it's better to, in a lot of uh, remote nursing places, look for nurses that have a little bit more experience, um, especially you know in acute care settings, because um, a lot of the resources that are up there aren't the same as they would be down here right you don't have um always a full medical team everything along those lines doctors on call to always give you orders so um there is a lot more um responsibility and accountability in terms of your nursing practice so I do um and I really enjoy being able to work with the urban indigenous community right now so I'm I'm happy where I am for now, but definitely in the future do want to uh do some remote nursing as well.
0: I find that absolutely incredible. That's definitely not something that any, you know, average person could take on that role. And you you have that spiritual connection as well, which I think definitely will help benefit you because you have a better firsthand under understanding. Um of maybe what these people have gone through through generations and different things like that. So if you guys are watching the video, as you can see, Rachel and I both have our orange shirts on. September 30th is Canada's first ever day of truth and reconciliation. What does that day mean to you?
1: September 30th uh, means so many different things to so many different people, but I think that it's really important and that we have a day that uh, we can acknowledge the experiences of residential school survivors and to honor the children who did not make it back home. Um, this day continues to raise awareness about the lasting impact of residential schools. And I can't speak uh, for other indigenous people and what the 30th means to them. But to me, uh, it means that I'll be spending the day connecting with my community um, my organization so so hack we're hosting an event in guelph where we'll be having a sacred fire and a drumming circle and be doing uh some crafts for for the kids um and so i will be spending the day doing that um but the day will mean different things for different people but i do think that it's a really important step that um we have a federally recognized day. Um, I can't say the same for being a provincially recognized day, but uh, I hope that as we continue to go down that path, that, um, that we continue to gain support and that our allies use the day to reflect and really to learn um, about indigenous history and um, what reconciliation means to them.
0: Exactly. And for those who don't know, I will be in Kitchener and I will be with the Healing of the Seven Generations uh, at a 10 a.m. march that will be uh, going from Frederick Street, I believe it is, to uh, Victoria Park. And there will be speakers followed by a drumming circle. And at seven o'clock in the evening at the Victoria Park Clock Tower, uh, you can join them. Uh, the founders of Land Back Camp will be holding a candlelit vigil. So there is lots of different events for you to partake in. If you have the day off, I encourage you to try to take half a day off, enjoy it, go experience your evening um, and learn and educate yourself. Education is probably one of the biggest things. And I'm not sure who you had as history teachers, but I had Mrs. Watkins And I thank that woman to this day for my interest in Indigenous history and and cultures and traditions because she taught outside of the book. She was the first person who ever said the word residential school and 60s scoop in front of me. And we talk about the, the trauma, the generational trauma of those who have suffered from residential schools and things like the 60s scoop. And now there's the welfare programs and different things like that. it's so much more than just wearing an orange shirt and posting on social media to raise awareness. What are some of the actions that we can take to start moving forward as individuals, as a community, and especially as a nation?
1: So I think that, um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of talks and there's so many, you know, different great events that are going on. And like you said, uh, reconciliation or this day is more than wearing an orange shirt. You know, I've seen on Facebook individuals saying the scramble for orange shirts has started, right? And, you know, it's really great that people are taking that initiative to get an orange shirt and to, you know, hopefully uh, be supporting our local uh, Indigenous organizations who have been, you know, ethically sourcing those shirts. Um, but, It goes beyond that, like you said. So the first step that um, we take in reconciliation is that truth aspect, learning and that education piece, right? Murray Sinclair said that it will be, it was education that got us here and it'll be education that got us out. And, you know, he hit the nail on the head when he said that Uh, folks really need to learn that history and that truth of what has happened to Indigenous peoples and continues to happen, right? because it's not just something in the past, it's something that continues to happen to this day. And uh, we really need to, um, you know, individuals need to own that. We need to continue to have those difficult and uncomfortable conversations. um, And not just about, you know, indigenous people within Canada, but, you know, indigenous people across Turtle Island and across the globe. And, Reconciliation is something that will take a very long time to achieve, Um, but we need to continue to act and learn every day that we have. We need to learn something new, Uh, work a little bit closer to our goals, working a little bit closer to reconciliation. And, you know, I know there's so many great um, references or resources that are out there for individuals that don't even know where to start, because you know what? Sometimes it's really difficult to take that first step. You don't know where to go, right? So I know that you mentioned that you took the Indigenous uh, Canada course by the University of Alberta, which is a great uh, course. There's a lot of uh, other online events that are happening where you can do that community outreach too, right? Or this whole week, the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation is doing events almost every single day. So there's lots and lots of different resources to get out there, um, and you know to to learn on. And it sounded like you were gonna say something, so I'm gonna let you. I was just
0: (laughs) gonna say, like I I I love how you said, you know, what's the first step for somebody like me who's just been told through generational stories, yes, you there's a very good chance you are Micmac. There's Micmac blood in you. There's no way that our families um, as settlers ever would have survived the East Coast if it wasn't for the assistance of the Mi'kmaq people showing them the ways of the land and how to navigate through those harsh winters on the East Coast.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I come across as whitewashing, obviously, look at me. I'm very white. Like how, where, where did I go? So I found the U Alberta Indigenous Canada course at wow, was it amazing. It's an eye opener. It's fun. It's super educational. Anyone from any education level can take it and it's free. It's free. Hello. It's free. Who doesn't love free education? We all sit here and complain about universities and college. They cost so much. It's a free program and it's such an easy step. It's an hour a week for 12 weeks and if you want to get a diploma, it costs 50 bucks, Woo-hoo, 50 bucks to go to school. Absolutely. It's a fabulous course. And there are so many resources out there. And one of the other things just for our listeners, you mentioned the term Turtle Island, um, a term we haven't used on this podcast yet. Would you like to inform our listeners of what Turtle Island is? So
1: Turtle Island Uh, encompasses all of the Americas. So that would be, uh, you know, Canada, the US, and then South America as well. Um, So it's a term that that we use uh, for, for, you know, all of all of that, uh, that area. Um, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And there's another bit, if people want to know, there's a story behind Turtle Island. Why is it Turtle Island? Why that animal? There's a story there that, once again, Miss Watkins taught me in grade 12 Canadian history and grade 10 Canadian history. So go out, Google, educate yourselves, go to a march, go to a vigil, use the links that Rachel's going to provide us. There's so much valuable information out there. I think education should be step one. And it kind of starts with rearranging the way the curriculum is taught. Um, But there is so much stuff out there that's absolutely amazing. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I think all the work you're doing is, is so valuable and so incredible. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us this evening?
1: Um, well, Chi Mi for having me here today. Um, you know, to have this important conversation and to, you know, keep these conversations going. I think that, you know, um, when we are having these conversations, I think that, um, it's so important to just, keep them going, we need Mm -hmm. to keep uplifting indigenous folks into, um, you know, take uh, where they can, we can hear their voices, where we can hear their stories and that we listen to their stories, right? Because um, it's so important to continue to do that and to honor that. Um, And, you know, I, (laughs) I think we could talk and go on and on and on. About, we could you know all of the the importance and uh you know i think that if i can leave individuals with one piece of um information or uh for our allies allies that are out there um you know learn you can even start by learning the treaty that is uh affiliated with the land that you reside on learn mm-hmm. about who the land belongs to in the area that you reside in if you're not in You know Kitchener or the Waterloo area. If you're listening from somewhere else, but even if you are in Kitchener Waterloo, learn about that land. (laughs) You know, learn learn about it, and um, you know, work towards what are you know. Just learning about that isn't enough. You Mm -hmm. need to then think about what are the steps that I'm going to take to hold myself accountable. What actions am I going to do right? Because, um. You know, I I, and I saw it floating around social media, but I thought it was really good uh, and such a powerful statement about the teacher who takes the water bottle off of the student's desk. And he, you know, acknowledges that the water bottle belongs to the student, but then doesn't give it back. And, you know, I think that it's really important to do land acknowledgments, but, you know, it's been a long time of, you know, organizations being able or people to you know learn about land acknowledgements and we need to start having those discussions of the next steps and um, you know what those next steps look like in terms of walking with Indigenous people right we need to walk with not for we need to walk with and you know see how we can uplift Indigenous folks into those positions where they can be heard
0: Exactly. And we're not asking everyone to be an activist and a human rights activist on every single movement. Obviously, there are things like this hits home for me. Um, Same with mental health issues and different things like that. And I am now working on a project for Black Lives Matter and BIPOC movements. But I'm not at every rally, I'm not at every march, I don't share every post, but I educate myself. I take the time to listen. And I think once we stop to listen and we have these conversations that are, it's not easy to talk about this. It really isn't. This whole time I was sitting here going, how am I going to make this a podcast with, it's going to be filled with amazing information and stuff like that. But this is not an easy topic to talk about. And we're not sitting here saying that we have to shame everybody for what our ancestors did, but you are responsible for what you do today and to better tomorrow. So what are you going to do to better tomorrow to become an ally basically?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You really hit the nail on the head there that, you know, um, you know, an apology can only get so far, but, you know, it's really important to acknowledge and to have those apologies, but, that's only a portion of the piece a piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle per se right we need to then look at how are we going to solve those issues how are we going to move forward right how are we going to work towards reconciliation together right <laughs> because otherwise if we we don't do those things um you know it's going to be really difficult
0: exactly and we do the land acknowledgment here once i found out what land acknowledgement meant. And I did my research. I believe it was the website native-land.ca. You can put your postal code in, your address, your phone, whatever, and it will tell you. And that's where I found out about us here in North Perth, just northwest of Kitchener-Waterloo and Guelph area that we sit on, Anishinaabewaki, Odawa, and Mississauga, the Mississauga First Credit Nations. And then I started doing more research to learn more about those nations themselves, who were the traditional people and the protectors of the land of which I live on. And one thing that has stuck with me since I was a kid was I always remembered this episode of either this hour is 22 minutes or air farce on CBC. And they started the episode off with singing their version of O Canada. And they sang, "Oh Canada, your homes on native land. And it's so true. No matter where you are in this country, your home does sit on indigenous land and it's, you're right. You should figure out who these belong to. So thank you for bringing that up as well. That is a very important topic and it's a great start for people as well.
1: Awesome. Well, miigwech. And, you know, I think, um, I, there's so much that our community is doing and I think that, you know, uh, the Waterloo Wellington area is doing, um, there are so many great indigenous organizations, like you said, Land Back Camp, they, they do so much amazing work over there, um, there's seven generations, um, you know, White Owl, uh, the KW Urban Native Wigwam Project, and, um, Anishinaabeg Outreach, and now Sohack, so, you know, all of these organizations have so many gifts and so many wonderful people, um, that are working towards such good things. And, um, I really hope that we continue to be able to serve the community and, you know, educate folks who, who want to learn more.
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much. You are more than welcome back on desks and dusters podcast, whenever you'd like, whenever, you've got something going on. We want to toot your horn and the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible. So thank you again for sitting down with me this evening.
1: Um, you guys for having me and I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> I would like to thank you all for joining us here on episode 50 of desks and dusters, September 30th, the first day of truth and reconciliation in 2021. This episode was dedicated to all of those we've lost through the residential school systems, but to honor those who are here with us today and all those who did survive so that we may know their stories and know how to be better allies for tomorrow. I encourage you to click on the links in the descriptions to further your education and your knowledge on indigenous issues about their culture and about the people here in our own communities. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. We'll be back next week with episode 51 of Desks and Dusters.